Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Dan Boyd. And I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools. We are seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime, and this is Fools Fools for for Christ. Christ. So today, we are talking about what we can do, little steps we can take to establish a greater Catholic culture where we are, with our friends, with our family. This can often be such a big problem that, you know, we take a, a look around us and we think, wow, our culture makes it hard to be Catholic. It makes it hard to do the things we want to do, and we don't know where to start. It's the yeah. kind of thing. We all see the problem, and we don't know what to do to fix it. And so this is baby steps on fixing that problem. And I think this is also something, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but it's something that I'm taking to heart because this is something I need to grow in as well. You know, I'm feeling the kick in my butt right now to get something started on my end. And so we're along with you on this ride. <laughs> yeah. And this is especially during the season of Lent when we're taking a step back and looking at areas of our life that are, you could say, have not yet been evangelized and the gospel has not yet come to this area of our life. We can give this to Christ. We can say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to lay down everything at the service of the church for you and for others Mm -hmm. um, by giving little pieces of our life that may not be uh, like really could be at the service of the church and really could be areas where we could have a great sense of community, a great sense of Catholic culture, but they're just not there yet. So we are, we're going to be borrowing from two people for uh, this session. One is Alistair McIntyre from his book after virtue and the, uh, what has been called the Benedict Option, and I'll explain that in just a moment, and blogger, statistician, Catholic thinker, Leah Libresco, and what uh, she has written and spoken about with respect to the Benedict Benedict Option. So uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Benedict Option, in a nutshell, and I apologize if I'm I'm paraphrasing this incorrectly to any of you (laughs) scholars out there, um, at the end of his book, Alistair McIntyre said that... um, we need a new St. Benedict. So St. Benedict is, in one sense, the father or the, the grandfather of Western monasticism and mm-hmm. the, the great tradition of religious life that grew out of Christian Europe. So as Europe was heading into what a lot of people call the Dark Ages, we saw the rise of monasticism. And these religious orders are, I would say, in a huge way responsible for the Europe and the world that we know today. So there were, uh, out of these monasteries came great advances in art and in music and in medicine. And in uh, this is really where the university came from. Religious orders were the ones who spawned the university because, kind of just like this show, they wanted to know Christ in all things mm-hmm. and discover him in all things. Um, and so St. Benedict really helped to uh, to evangelize and baptize the entire world by these religious communicate communities dedicating themselves in a very, very serious way to living Christianity in community. And so McIntyre said at the end of his book, 
we need to we need a, a new Saint Benedict, but it's not going to look the same way it did because the world has a different need right now. Well, and I, I want to point out before you keep talking about this, one of the charisms of the Benedictine order is hospitality, and I think that's important too. Because whenever I think of Benedictines, that's the word that comes to mind. Um, you know, Franciscans I think poverty, and Dominicans I think um, academics. Right. But what Benedictines I think hospitality. It's that generosity towards others. Yeah, welcoming the stranger and providing for what they need, uh, which I think is actually a, a perfect model of the kind of things we can do to create uh, this greater sense of community and help to, to evangelize our culture more and make it more Catholic. Um, if you listened last week, we talked about the need for community, and I think it starts with hospitality because... Mm-hmm. Um, there needs to, somebody needs to go out and bridge that gap and embrace the other and say, come eat with me, come into my home and, yeah. and be my friend and be my brother. Um, so there, if you're not familiar with blogger Leah Libresco, I'd suggest you check out her blog, Unequally Yoked at Pathios. <laughs> and she was originally an atheist and thought her way into the church. Uh, and that's a, I'll let her tell that story on her own because it's really interesting. But she had a, a, a video ca- or a podcast or a uh, kind of a video from a theology on tap that she did where she speaks about her answer to the Benedict option and what we can do. And in a nutshell, she said, I don't, I don't think very well in terms of five years because it's almost paralyzing um, to try to figure out how to do something five years from now or yeah. create such a big thing all on our own that's yeah. going to change culture five years from now. And so she wanted to start with smaller things, mm-hmm. um, something that can be done immediately or in the next six months so that it, uh, she's not paralyzed with planning the details. Mm-hmm. So she gathered all of her friends and explained this to them and, and said, okay, what are the resources that we all have that we can give to each other? And what are the needs so that we can understand how we might need to help one another? And they started to come up with, I'd say, rather unorthodox needs and unorthodox resources, yeah. things that people normally wouldn't think of. For instance, um, the younger unmarried people in the group said things like, we have a need to be around children. Like, we just, we love <laughs> babies and we want to be around babies more. And uh, the Lord hasn't brought these into my life. And the people who had babies or they had children, they could say, we can solve this problem. Like, we've got the baby. You've, you want to be with them let's hang out and you can watch my kid for me or something like that, or come over and just spend time with my children. Yeah. Um, and the, probably the, the most remarkable or the most memorable resource that someone listed was being depressed. Mm. Um, it, at once you think, well, how is that a resource to others? Yeah. They have a different perspective on life and they can, mm. um, they might be able to offer something that others can't. And at the same time, someone might, feel a calling to, to be with that person and walk with them in their depression. And it creates this opportunity for friendship that might not yeah. have been there before. Uh, and so the, the first step, if you want to know, or go ahead. Well, so what you're talking about there is you're talking about them all kind of laying out what they have and the gifts and talents that they have. Just going back to Acts 2, when we were talking about last week, the perfect Christian community. Yeah. It talks about them sharing everything as a community right. and breaking bread together and everything they had, they shared with others. Yeah. And so it's the same idea, essentially. It's, it, this is how I was created. These are, this is my, 
current life circumstances. So here it all is. Here it is on the table. Yeah, Let's absolutely. all look at what we all have. Yeah, and, th- and this is where we realize Christianity doesn't ask us to abandon our gifts and our, our talents. Mm-hmm. It asks us to share them, to, to allow others to see the goodness that God has given us. Yeah. Which is really one of the most exciting things about Christianity and that I don't, I don't have to hide that, you know, I, I like play the banjo and, and want to learn the harmonica and all that kind of thing. I share with people yeah. and then that's the, you could say the, the ingredients that make something beautiful. So it's, uh, it, and the, the funny thing is when people, I think when they go back to Acts chapter two and they hear about the Christian community giving up everything they have and sharing that in common, they frequently go to material resources yeah. and they're like, Oh, I, what if I don't want to give up all my money? Like, <laughs> what about your boat? You know, what about your big living room? Yeah. What about your big, dining room table, your skills at cooking, um, the yard work you need done, share that with people because some people's love language is acts of service and they want to come and they, they want to help you fix your fence or do whatever. Give it, lay it all down. Cause it's like everything can help us love God and love one another more Mm -hmm. if we allow God to work with that. So this is, I'm, I'm really glad you pointed that out. This is just a reminder of the call to give everything to the Lord, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And it takes a certain authenticity and willingness to be vulnerable. Uh, I keep using the word authenticity. (laughs) But it takes that willingness to be vulnerable and that commitment to the larger whole to be able to share those things. Right. So the the first step, if you've got some Catholic friends around you, or even if if you want to expand this to your entire group of Christian friends, Find a time to meet with them and say, let's talk about what we can offer and what we need. Mm. If, uh, if you're kind of stuck and you're like, well, well, now that we have all these ideas, what do we do? Uh, we've got a little bit of a list of ideas um, yeah. of just easy things you can do to start right now. And the key here is uh, we don't have to, to think of new things to do. Uh, really the Christian culture for a time was all about, all right, what are the things you already have to do or Mm -hmm. the things you already want to do? How can you do them in such a way that it makes it easy to be good or you're glorifying God with your friends together? So, you know, instead of just making music, why don't you make some amazing music praising God or even, I mean, just beautiful music on its own still praises God. Or if you have to, you have to have a meeting with somebody, you have to meet with somebody, find a way to put that at the service of the gospel. And instead of just saying, okay, we're going to have a meeting or, you know, you and I are going to talk about my taxes or whatever, add something else into that, that almost in a sense baptizes, just like saying grace before meal, um, find a way to, to bring Christianity to everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I... (laughs) It's been so great about this. I kind of did this without knowing it when I was up at Franciscan, um, when I was a residence director. I had a staff of five, and I was part of um, the formation that we were offering them as their supervisors, but also as a mentor, and part of that discipleship that was happening was I would meet with them one-on-one for an hour every week, so all five employees. And it was a check-in, so it was a chance for me to see how they were doing, make sure that they got the one-on-one attention that they needed in order to serve the residents that they were in charge of. 
so normally there was some business that needed to be covered right. in those meetings. But once they got the hang of the job, it turned into this time of just friendship and openness with each other. And what I would encourage them to do was find things that they enjoyed doing and allow me to join them. Like, Something that like, they could share. Okay. D- give me an example. So um, one friend, uh, well, I say friend, one employee <laughs> um, wanted to find a, dan- a, a dress for the dance that Friday night. And so she hadn't found it yet. And she was really trying to figure out what part of her schedule, when she was going to be able to get someone to lend her a car and get over to the store and find a dress. And so she said, can we, can we go a little bit long this week? And can we go to a thrift store? <laughs> and so we went to a thrift store and we found her address as part of our one-on-one. And we did our business in the car. And then we just enjoyed the time together. Yeah. And it was a, a really neat way to just do something with her. Um, and of course, all my meetings, I would start and end in prayer. Um, but another friend, another employee discovered we had a mutual love of Harry Potter. <laughs> and so we would get our business done really quick. And then she and I would watch the Harry Potter movies. Uh, so we ended up watching all seven films by the time she graduated. So within oh, wow. three or four years. And then another friend, uh, he really liked Jim Gaffigan. And so he, yes, he took it upon himself to introduce me to his comedy. (laughs) (laughs) And so after we were finished with our business, we would listen to a track or two of Jim Gaffigan. And so it was things like that. Sometimes it was video games. Sometimes it was going out and walking, coloring, whatever it was that they needed to just be who they were and be able to do their job better. Yeah. So it was, you weren't necessarily inventing any any new ways of mm-hmm. like being Christian together. You just did the things you already wanted to do, or you the things, things you they do. already wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. as like as friends. And yes. That, um, in case you're you're listening, you're thinking like, well, what does that have to do with Christian culture? Well, remember that like culture is it surrounds the entire human existence, and we don't just want to. Uh, we don't just want to, to only be with our friends or only be with fellow Christians and, and, and whatnot when we're at church. We don't just want to yeah. celebrate the Mass with these people because if that were the only time you cared about these people, the Mass would be much less meaningful. Mm-hmm. But as it is, the Mass is the, the coming together of the children of God, and we, we unite ourselves with Jesus in that sacrifice and are offered to the Father. And what does it mean to be united to the, to the person sitting next to you in the pew? If you if you don't care about them, if you don't love them, if you mm-hmm. if they're not your friend, are you really united to them as you are uh, being united with Christ in that sacrifice? And the the reality of friendship is it draws you closer together and closer to Christ by by that closeness. And the friendship just supports virtuous living. If your friends, if you surround yourself with people who love God and want you to get to heaven, it's easier to get there. Yes. And that's really, uh, this is creating the type of world, creating the friend circles that make it easier to love God and get to heaven. Um, Mm. In the same way that the wrong group of friends can really lead you, I mean, at at any stage in life, they're going to pull you in the wrong direction. The right group of friends pulls you and draws you closer to God, hopefully at an ever-increasing pace. And as, as secular as those encounters were with them, when we were out at that store in that thrift store, there was a lot of like truthfulness I was able to speak to 
her and being vulnerable about, does this dress look good on me? Right. Like, those kind of conversations were able to happen from someone that this young woman thought of as a mentor. Yeah. And as someone she trusted. Rather than bringing in a more secular mind view into that secular situation. You know, and so those kind of circumstances were able to come up. Um, like watching Harry Potter, I would like point out that's like, <laughs> you know, there were a couple points when I was like, why do they just disrespect authority all the time? Even though I love Harry Potter, like it's a truth to that, yeah, to that world, and um, or even to pick out the the good truths of it too. So all of those conversations came out in the midst of doing that secular activity, and they only would have come out. Like, or rather, they would not have come out if you hadn't done that activity. So that's almost right, like the right. the medium from which you make these great conversations. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes we get impatient and we want to jump right into an intellectual conversation without giving our minds anything to to chew on, so to speak. It's almost like a um, the there's a saying a a wise a pipe gives a wise man something to to do while he's thinking and a fool something to keep his mouth shut around. <laughs> um, and for both the wise and the fools, these you know meals together and going shopping or watching things together, they give us uh, some. They give us time to stop and think, and something to digest, so mm-hmm. that then we can come together and have a much richer conversation. Um, kind of like when I think sometimes parents get frustrated when they they can't have a meaningful conversation with their children, but maybe they're first not investing any time. And giving themselves something to talk about. So if they if they went and they watched their kids' movies, if they read their books, if they did that kind of thing, that would immediately give them some common ground to talk about something right. and, and discuss with them. And this is about a living with others, yeah. too. It's not just about... Because you're talking about the difference mostly just between like the theoretical and then the practical. Yeah. And this was a, I'm going to live alongside you and live your life with you rather than just telling you what to do from the outside. Right. I'm going to just go with you. Let's let's do that. And that's what Jesus did. Yeah, it's a walk. It's, it's living with people, walking with them. I mean, there's that uh, from John's gospel. Uh, John the Baptist's disciples come up to Jesus, and their first question is, Master, where are you staying? Mm-hmm. And I think he responds to them, come and see. Yes. And it's um, the Christian life lived in community is an invitation to, uh, to walk with Jesus yes. and walk with one another. Um, and it's then he comes into our midst when we're together. So, um, so if you're like, okay, I'm on board. I want to do more stuff. I'm, I have this loneliness or this longing for Catholic culture. Here's some easy ideas that you can jump right into. So again, these are, they're things you would normally do, but just do them with people who are going to help you love God more. Yeah. Uh, Invite somebody over. So that the first one is have a movie night. Mm -hmm. Um, this does it. You don't have to watch The Passion every night. You can, great movie, you know, definitely find time to watch it during Lent or, uh, or especially Holy Week. But it can just be a movie that you sit down and, and discuss together uh, and one that is uplifting naturally to you. That it, You know, it, um, here's a, the first movie that comes to mind is, it was actually a made-for-TV movie, but one of the ones that actually stuck with me that I remember, The Secret Life of Noah Dearborn. Hmm. With Sidney Poitier, and uh, I don't he, think I saw it. He is a um, he's a carpenter who has somehow discovered the key to immortality, and he's mm-hmm. older than anybody can remember. Nobody remembers when he was born, <laughs> and he doesn't appear to be aging. 
but he lives this beautiful life of uh, kind of dedication to simplicity. Mm. Um, and it brings him the greatest peace that everyone around him lacks, even though they have money and, and success and fame and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, so, but it's not authentic or it's not explicitly Christian or, or anything like that. It's just, it's a, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get the, when I watch movies like that, I get the same feeling that I get when I bite into like a perfectly ripe peach. I'm like, this is good. I just like it. It's, it, it a perfectly ripe peach. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about there. <laughs> if you've never had a, a peach, let alone a perfectly ripe one, uh, come July, make sure you find your way to the grocery store and get a really good Georgia peach. And there's something. They're from heaven. So. That's hilarious. Uh, well, also on here, we talked about uh, a community meal. Those are, those are my favorite. Breaking bread together. Yeah. Um, you can also turn this into a Lord's Day celebration, which is usually on a Saturday evening, starting off the the Lord's Day um, during the vigil time of when the, the vigil mass would be held at your church. But reading the scriptures for the upcoming week and mm-hmm. kind of reading the gospel, kind of diving into that ahead of time before celebrating mass, but then breaking bread together and having a meal together, and uh, a meal Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, sharing things you're thankful for and giving thanks to God for what's going mm-hmm. on. And sometimes you also share petitions and intercessions and yeah. things like that as well. Yeah, and this can, this can be a way to develop that vulnerability that you may think, well, I want this with people, but I don't know where to, to get started. This is the, the way to, to start that ball rolling. Um, and I also, kind of a twist on this, something I've done a couple times is have an open house. Um, and we, everybody has locked doors nowadays. And it, to visit somebody, you got to call them like a week mm-hmm. ahead of time. Yes. Like, hey, would it be okay if I come over next Tuesday night at five thirty to borrow some sugar? Um, and I, so what I do is I, I tell people, I did it for my birthday one year. I said, everybody is welcome to come whenever you want. My house is open from ten in the morning until midnight, and whenever you can come, I want to see you. And so it just it gave people permission. To not be present for the whole thing, but to just stop in and be awesome. be there. And that's uh, it's something I've been meaning to do more. Just tell my friends, hey, this day of the month, I will. you, you can come over whenever you want. Um, if you could, let me know so that I can, you know, if you want to come over for a meal, make sure you give me a heads up so I can start cooking. But if you're not coming over for a meal, just walk in um, or bring some food of your own or whatever. And yeah. we'll spend time together. That's what this day is for. Uh, and it that's me giving up my time, you know, saying I'm willing to put down, to lay down my time for the service of the Lord to build this greater friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then they can just join in on whatever you're doing, whether yeah. that's Mario Kart or, <laughs> um, I don't, you probably don't grade papers, your campus ministry. You no, know, no, not anymore. Campus ministry, <laughs> luckily. Uh, although I might, I might sometime in the future end up grading papers again, but, um, Another thing you could do is just volunteer together. If you if you decide, okay, I like feeding the homeless or I like working at a soup kitchen, ask your friends to do it with you. And yeah. If they don't come, that's okay. Because remember, you want to do it and it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. This is just one thing to, to do with a friend. I mean, two, uh, two friends shorten a road, so to speak. And so if you're already going to a soup kitchen and your best friend comes with you, how much better is that? Um, so again, don't, you don't have to find new stuff to do. Just do stuff you're already doing with the people you love. Yes. Yeah. 
I always love to get creative or crafty with my friends. Um, and so doing stuff like the painting and wine, yeah, I know it's more of a, a chick thing to do, but those are super fun. Um, there's also, there's free improv classes at SAC Comedy Lab. And so like once a month, maybe it's, maybe it's ha- two times a year that they do it. That's a big difference once a month versus yeah, two yeah, times a year. But, <laughs> but they do free improv classes. And so you can just go for this night of fun yeah. and kind of going out of yourself and stepping out of your comfort zone to do improv. But there's so much community that's built through that act of being creative right. and um, stepping outside of your comfort zone. The Another thing you could do, uh, and I'm, I'm stealing from a friend of mine, but I don't think they would... Uh, they would care if I share their good idea. They yeah. call it a, a Catholic barn raising group. And, okay. Um, they haven't started it yet on Facebook, but they want to start some kind of group on social media where friends will post something they need help with, like um, doing electrical work in their house or huh. laying sod or the example I used earlier, fixing a fence. And anybody who's who has those skills can say, hey, I know how to do that. And so rather than paying someone, you are paying a, like, uh, a separate company that you don't know, you don't necessarily trust, to come in and do it. You're inviting a friend who maybe has that talent, has that skill, and then you say, okay, I'll, I'll make you dinner, I'll feed you, or then I'll go over to your house next month and I'll help you do, do your task. So it's, um, it's shared labor, it's crowdsourcing mm-hmm. manual labor so that people can, can get stuff done while at the same time they're building Catholic community. And how fun is it to, like, paint someone's house with them? And, yeah. You know, like, it's it's just a fun community kind of event. Yeah. I know I painted <laughs> the men's house yeah. at UCF so many times. <laughs> right, like a task that could be actually very unpleasant if you had to do it on your own, all of a sudden is transformed and becomes something really fun that you're doing with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. So to uh, to kind of wrap up here, really what we want to do is give you permission to do something to fix the problem of a lack of community and a lack of Catholic culture. Often our desire to do something perfectly leads to paralysis. And we say, oh, well, you know, this is such a big problem. Let me think about it for six months to figure out what to do. (laughs) Guilty. Guilty. In the meantime, you could have invited people over a dozen times and prayed together and given thanks to the Lord and had a great conversation about some movie or some TV show or what have you. Um, so you don't have to solve the whole problem. If you have someone over, if you, if you make a meal, if you feed the homeless together, you are fixing the problem. Yeah. And it, it's not going to take one giant personality necessarily, but if it's, if it's a hundred thousand Catholic families who are opening their homes and, uh, and their arms, we will see a huge difference. We're just yes. here in Orlando. Yes. Yeah, and that's the kind of difference we long for and we need. Yeah, that's I can't tell you how many times I've had young adults say, "Kimmy, I want to start something. Like, I want to do this. I want to invite these people over." But then it never gets done because we always think about, "Well, I could do it once, but what about the follow up? What right. about the follow through? What about doing it every week? What about, you know?" And just don't don't worry about it. Just do something. Yeah. And I'm speaking to myself here. (laughs) We are giving you permission and we're kind of giving you a little kick in the backside. Let's get out there and do something. So by the time uh, you tune in next week, your homework is to have done one thing. Even if you didn't execute it, 
planet and invite people. Oh, dang it. That means we probably have to follow up with each other, right? Yes, we do. Okay. All right, deal. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will talk to you next time. God bless. Bye. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Fools for Christ with Kimmy Zeiler and Dan Boyd. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.